Hi guys, welcome back to Freeman Sports Pod. Um, I know it's been a minute. I believe this is Freeman Sports Pod episode eight. Uh, I don't think I've recorded since January of 2020, so it's been, I believe it's been almost a year since my last episode. And I know I said I was going to start recording a lot, but then later on COVID happened, so obviously everything just kind of fell apart with sports. And then once things started up again with senior year of high school and everything, I'll just be honest, completely kind of forgot about the podcast. But um, yeah, I'm bringing it back for today. I'd like to start... Uh, making podcast episodes regularly every few days or so uh, when there's enough stuff to talk about, obviously, in sports to make the content still interesting. I definitely take suggestions and appreciate feedback and spreading the word so I can get my podcast out there. Uh, So, yeah, I'm going to be talking today about the NBA, uh, the NFL, specifically with the playoff teams, obviously. And then I'm also going to be talking about college football because the national championship is currently 40 minutes away from when I'm recording this. But uh, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So like I said, I'm going to talk about NBA, so we're going to start with that. So I start, I want to start out by talking about the teams that are, at least in my opinion, trending upwards in the right direction. Now, I know it's early on in the season, but these are just teams where I believe in terms of either what I expected from them or just from at least what I've seen, I think they're moving in the right direction. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is the 76ers. Now, obviously, this was a very important year for the 76ers. You know, uh, they made the move to get rid of Josh Richardson and replace him with Seth Curry, which I thought was a great move. I think Seth Curry's just more of a true shooter guy. And when you have someone like Embiid who likes to be in in the paint and Ben Simmons who can't shoot the ball whatsoever, it's great to get as many shooters around him as possible. So I think that was a great addition. Obviously, they bring in Doc Rivers as well. And they even got Daryl Morey. So a lot of big moves around trying to really build the team and keep them in contention and obviously show that even though they've been disappointing the last few years, they want to get things going. So right now, uh, they're the one seed in the East. I believe they are 7-3. and three. Might be wrong about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they've had a great year so far. They, I mean, they really have looked like a serious threat and contender, not just for the East, but i I got to be honest, I think they could honestly win the title. Now, I would still pick the Lakers. I think, I think they're still, I'd take the Clippers. There's a few teams I'd put over them, but they're making a strong case right now that they need to be taken more seriously. Now, the next team I want to talk about is the Indiana Pacers. Now, while they did lose to the Phoenix Suns uh, recently, uh, they lost, uh, obviously, the New Look Suns with Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, etc. But they're a legit team as well. I think they're another team that was kind of slept on because Victor Oladipo didn't look like himself after his injury. And people just kind of didn't, I don't think people thought much of them. I mean, I saw some people saying they wouldn't make the playoffs. Some people saying that they would be one of the teams that would benefit from the plan because they were going to be that low in the East, that they just weren't a team to be taken that seriously, not like a top five or six seed. And I mean, I disagreed with them, but I also didn't strongly disagree with them simply because, I mean, I also had my doubts about them. But I mean, DeMontis Sabonis looks great once again. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon looks good. Victor Oladipo, I mean, I don't think he's quite back to where he was, but I mean, from what I've seen of him, he's looked pretty good. I mean, again, I, I don't think they're a title contender, but I do think they're one of those teams where they could make a, get a surprise playoff upset win, not just because they would win a series, but maybe beat a team that was more hyped up than them, like the Celtics or Nets that was, or the Heat that was expected to go farther than them and just surprise people. And maybe, I don't know, maybe even get to the conference finals. I mean, I'd say that's by far their ceiling. I don't think they could, they'll get to it, but they could. 
But yeah, and then the last team I want to talk about uh, before I get to my honorable mention is the Phoenix Suns. Now, obviously, there's a little bias here because Chris Paul is my favorite player, and so obviously I have a lot of belief in him. But that being said, I didn't even believe them, to be honest, to get to this good of a start. Now, I know, again, it's early in the season. A lot's still going to happen. It's just the NBA regular season after all. But, I mean, they beat the Pacers on a back-to-back on the road after an embarrassing loss, blowing a huge lead to the Pistons. So I like that they responded well. I mean, they they beat the Mavericks. They put up a good fight after getting blown out early. They came back and almost beat the Clippers. I just think that they're, I think they're legit. I mean, I said, I mean, in my belief, in my like rankings, my predictions for the playoffs, I had them listed as projected to be the fourth seed or fifth seed right around there. And I mean, people told me I was being a little biased, which I can understand. I mean, if you want to think that the Suns are probably going to be a six or seven or eight seed or a playing team, I completely can understand where you're coming from. But I truly believed in Chris Paul and this team. And I mean, honestly, I just think that they're a better team than that Thunder team was and they were able to exceed expectations. And I think, obviously, the Rockets, I mean, I think that they're obviously trending down and with Harden, all the drama going on. So I think that, and obviously the Thunder are going to go down. So I think they're having teams that they can pass up and that's why they could be that high of a seed. Again, I know it's early on, but like I said, even for me who had extremely high expectations, I think they've been pretty impressive so far. Now, my honorable mention is a team I kind of just talked about, which is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't really see much from this team. I just think it doesn't take much to exceed my expectations. I thought they were going to be the worst team in the NBA and have the worst record simply because they're in a complete and utter rebuild. I mean, Chris Paul's gone. Steven Adams is gone. Danilo Gallinari's gone. The only key piece they really kept is Shea and Lou Dort, but Lou Dort kind of came onto the scene later on in the year. So obviously when that happens, you probably would expect them to immediately tank down maybe a 20-win team or whatever. And right now they're 5-4. and four. It's a respectable record. I don't think they're making the playoffs. I don't think they're a serious. I don't think they'll make the plan. But I do have to give them respect and credit because 5-4, and four, again, I know it's early on and the NBA season just started, but that's a very respectable record, and I did not expect that from them. So again, got to give them a lot of credit. So now we're moving on to the more negative side. These are some teams that I think are trending down, and again, I'll give an honorable mention. So for my first team trending down, it's the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Now, obviously, early on in the year, you know, they blow out the Warriors, but the Warriors, people were already still a little concerned about anyway, could cur- carry that entire team with Clay being out. Um, and then they also beat, um, I believe, did they beat the Celtics? I believe, I might be wrong about that. I thought, I think, oh wait, did they lose to the Celtics? I might be wrong about that. Um, one second, guys, sorry, I'm literally looking on my phone right now about it. Uh, no, so there, and they blew out the Celtics, that's right, I was watching that game on primetime television, it was actually close in the first half and they blew them out, so a lot of expectations started to develop for them, you know, there were quickly people already saying after those two wins that maybe the Nets were now the new front runner in the East over the Bucks, and that they were the serious contender, and that Kyrie and KD already look amazing together, KD barely looks like he lost a step, you know, they're a serious title contender, and now they've started to slip up. They've had some bad losses. I believe they lost to the Thunder recently with KD. That's obviously unacceptable. Even if they didn't have Kyrie, that can't happen. So, I mean, I think some concerns are coming out. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I like Steve Nash. I respect him. But I thought the hire as him as a head coach was very questionable. I know he worked around the Warriors, so he's probably well-respected by KD. And Kyrie probably liked him too, so it just maybe made sense from that perspective. But I think when there's better candidates out there that have actually been head coaches, I would obviously suggest going for that first, especially if you're going to be more of a playoff, even NBA champs level team, or at least for expectation wise, that you shouldn't be taking as big of a risk and you should be going with more of like a coach that has a good history to prove it. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think, I mean, the Nets concern me, to be honest. I, I think they're, they're struggling. They're not living up anywhere near expectations right now. They're showing they're vulnerable. 
And, I mean, they have to get their act together, obviously, because, again, the expectations are through the roof. I mean, they were still a decent team last year without KD and with I mean, without KD at all, and obviously without Kyrie during times. But, I mean, and I'm not saying without him they should still be living up to this hype, but the fact they're having games with them and still not living up to it is obviously unacceptable. So, I mean, again, I, I, a lot of these, it's not meant to be an overreaction, underreaction or anything. It's early on. So I don't want to say anything like the Nets are done or they're going to miss the playoffs or they'll make it and not do much anyways. It's very early. So none of this is meant to be taken too seriously or too hard or to believe like I strongly feel the Nets are screwed or anything. It's early, but it is something to take note about. Now, the next team is the Miami Heat. Again, like I said, for all these, it's early on, but I mean, the Heat haven't looked great. They just, they just haven't. They're, they're, they're not, they don't have a great record right now. They've struggled against um, most of the teams they've played. They, I mean, they just haven't looked like a great team right now. They haven't looked like that team that surprised a lot of people in the East and maybe everybody thought was going to take the next step this year. And I mean, I know you can't really take a step much farther than obviously getting to the conference, I mean, getting to the finals besides winning it. But in terms of being good throughout the year, not just being okay and being a middle of the pack seed in the regular season and then turning up in the playoffs, but really showing that it wasn't a fluke and they belong. But, you know, right now they're four and four. They don't look that good. I mean, there hasn't been anything, to be honest, that, get, that would honestly get me too excited. I mean, they're not, they're not scoring much. I would say that's obviously a concern. The defense has been there, but the fact that they're averaging 108.5 points per game is not good. That's towards the bottom of the conference. So, I mean, that would explain part of that issue. But, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see things start turning around. I know, obviously, their game got postponed with the Celtics because uh, I believe I – I think it was COVID issues. I might be wrong about that. So, don't quote me on it. I'll be honest. I haven't paid – as close attention to the NBA as I would have liked to. So that's why a lot of these I haven't been able to go as in-depth on my opinions as normal. Uh, but yeah, that's all I really have to say about that. And then the next team is the Nuggets, before I get to my honorable mention, is the Nuggets. The Nuggets, I mean, in my opinion, I know they're starting to get their act together. I mean, they're up to uh, five and five. They've won two in a row, so they're starting to settle back in. But, I mean, to be honest with you, they also just have not looked good at all. I mean, they've really struggled. They They were one of the teams I had above... The uh, Suns in my prediction for the conference, I had them in my, I had them as the three seed. And honestly, I thought to myself before I even had them as the three seed that maybe I should have put them over the Clippers just because, well, I think the Clippers would still be a long-term threat. That Nuggets team showed when they played those Clippers that they're a legit team and a big problem to deal with. So I felt like I might have, even though three sounds super high, I might have been even underrating them a little bit. But I mean, yeah, they've they just, they haven't looked good. They've struggled against teams. They, they've lost to teams that aren't amazing. I mean, I know they lost to the Suns, who, again, I'm hype about, and I, I believe in them a lot, but I wouldn't have expected them, if I'm being honest, to beat the uh, Nuggets, if I was being completely honest. But, I mean, they lost to the Mavs, which is understandable. Um, they, uh, they lost to the Kings, which obviously is concerning. But, um, and I mean, I guess at that point early on, the Kings looked okay. But, again, that was like two, three games in that the Kings looked like a legit team, and now already they're starting to drop back as now they're currently four and six and have lost two in a row. So they're already going back down to uh, where I think people more expected them to be, which is, you know, towards the bottom of the conference, if we're being completely honest. But um, yeah, so that's why I'm obviously concerned about the Nuggets. Again, it's super early on. I don't think there's any team to really be panicking about yet when you're this early into the season. But at the same time, you can't feel too good if you're a Nuggets supporter or fan. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about teams-wise for the NBA is the Houston Rockets. I mean, you got to keep in mind, obviously, with the COVID issues they had and with the dreams, James Harden drama, they, it was obviously going to be rough. But I still think they've been disappointing, to be honest with you. I mean, with how good Christian Wood's been and the fact that, again, they still don't have a bad team. 
they're still not meeting where I'd expect them. And again, a lot of this is super early on, plenty of time to turn things around, but I don't think anybody, even with the changes and losing Westbrook, would expect them to be three and five right now. Um, I don't have too much more to say about the Rockets, like as a team in particular. I'm going to talk about more of their players specifically in a moment, but I haven't really watched much Rockets basketball, to be honest with you. Um, so as I was saying, I was going to go into talking about the uh, Rockets players in particular more than just their team. So uh, my first guy I want to talk about in the Rockets, uh, I'm going to be talking about two players, is Christian Wood. Christian Wood's really impressed me a lot, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I thought he was a great signing. I thought he showed a lot of potential and some flashes towards the end of the season on the Pistons. But obviously, this guy, nobody really knew about him before that. So you can't really just take that little bit and just know for sure. But the Rockets obviously believed in him. They took a chance on him with, I believe it was a three-year deal worth a good amount of money. And I mean, he's been incredible so far. I think he's a definite, I mean, right now he'd be my pick to win most improved player. I know there's some other good candidates out there for sure but I just think he's been a stud I like I said with like I was saying he's been really he's been really good this season and that's why I feel like the Rockets should be better than the record record suggests because even though they lost Russell Westbrook and it looked like this year was just going to be a disaster for them Christian Wood has turned out to be an unbelievable signing so I definitely think that he's been a great fit for them I think he's again could win most of the players having a great year so far and I think if the Rockets have big success outside of James Harden during the regular season in the playoffs, he's going to need to be the reason why outside of James Harden. So on the next guy in the Rockets, the last one I'm going to talk about is James Harden. Now, there was some report things saying that he likes what's going on with the Rockets. He believes in what they're doing and stuff. So, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, there's the news about how he wanted to trade and everything. So I don't know exactly what to make of it. But it is obviously something to note in a positive way if you're a Rockets fan. I mean, again, he's had a good year. Uh, he's missed some games, but when he's played, he's been on. It's kind of interesting and impressive, to be honest with you, how casually he can just go from, like, not training at all and not really – I mean, I guess he claims he was training, but, I don't know, other people believe other things about what he was really doing. Um, but, you know, it didn't seem like he was taking basketball too serious because he was more so focused on trying to get out of Houston and he wasn't happy there. But to go from that and then still end up performing the way he has so far is impressive. But, again, they're not winning games. So even though he's looked decent and Christian Woods looked great, I mean, they're not winning games, so they still need to figure things out. Uh, the last player I'm going to talk about, I was going to talk about Katie and Kyrie, but I feel like I already covered all it's been underwhelming, is Chris Paul, because obviously, anyone who knows me well, or you can tell by uh, my cover art for uh, my podcast, I'm a huge Chris Paul fan. So to be honest right now, if I had to give him a rating for how I think he's played this season, I'd give him like a C plus or B minus. I mean, I know the Suns record's great. I think his, I mean, he's been a great passer. His assist numbers have been solid. His rebounding's been fine. Free throw shooting's been fine. But the real issue with me has been his scoring. He hasn't been shooting. I mean, he's been taking good, efficient shots that he normally takes, but he hasn't been hitting shots that he's capable of making. He's been missing his open jumpers when he's getting to his spots. And he also just hasn't been aggressive enough for me to be happy with him. I mean, yes, there's been games where during the fourth quarter and crunch time, he's decided to go back to doing what he's doing and taking the ball. And I get that people would still argue, and I'm okay with it because he's younger and he's been there the whole his whole career, saying it's Devin Booker's team. But Devin Booker, from what I've seen, he's had his clutch moments like that game winner against the Clippers. He's missed a lot of clutch shots on the stretch early on in this season for the Suns, and I feel like Chris Paul has to start taking over more. But I'm not just saying in those scenarios. I'm saying in general for the whole game and during the season. And I noticed this when, when he was on the Thunder and I wanted him to change it, and I was hoping this year he would. But who knows? I mean, again, they're still winning games. His stats are still respectable, but I'd like to see him be more aggressive and try to shoot more. And I'm not too concerned about the percentages on the shots that he normally makes because it's early on. It'll start The shots will start falling. But he definitely needs to start to look to shoot and score more, I think. I don't think he's shooting enough for me to be too happy with him. Um, but that's it in terms of my NBA thoughts. So now I'm going to move on to the NFL and then college football.
So for the NFL, uh, I'm going to be talking about the teams uh, that got eliminated from the playoffs. I'm just going to go game by game. Uh, so the first team that I wanted to talk about, again, I'm just going in the order I wrote it down in, was the Seattle Seahawks. Now, my thoughts on the Seattle Seahawks, to be honest with you, is, I mean, I still think they have the talent, they have the pieces to be a serious contender. Obviously, they found a star in DK Metcalf. I love Chris Carson, too. He's on a good contract for now. He's eventually going to need more. Uh, he's going to get a big deal down the line, I'm guessing. Um, I mean, the biggest concern with me, obviously, are two things. Number one, in my opinion, is the fact that Russell Wilson is time and time again, unfortunately, he's a great guy. I still think he's a great talent and elite quarterback. But he's not been proven. He's doing the same thing he's been doing the past few years, to be honest with you. He'll start out with a great start of the season. Everybody's hyping him up, saying, let Russ cook. He's the MVP. Then he'll start to be mediocre in the middle and then not so great at the end, but then end up still finding a way to win the games they need to make the playoffs. And then, I mean, he completely didn't show. I mean, it wasn't just him. Again, the other part I'll mention in a second. But their offense, and I mean, kind of the defense, but mainly their offense, to be honest, didn't show up against the Rams. And I get that, I mean, statistically, the Rams like the best defense in the league. They're a great team, but you still have to show up. And he didn't. So, I mean, I, I saw a thing that was interesting when it was talking about Russell Wilson for getting overhyped. And it's the fact that if you look outside of his Super Bowl, which, again, is a great achievement, but if you look outside of it, they really haven't done much in Seattle. They, they really haven't done much. So you got to keep that in mind in terms of hyping up the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. So that's why I was concerned about them, thought they were overrated. I was really hoping they'd win because if the Saints beat the Bears, which obviously they went on to do so, they could have gotten to play them instead of the Bucks. But it is what it is. But I want to stay on topic. So then the other concern I have with the Seahawks really is their offensive line. That's what also has really held them back, to be honest, on offense. It's, I mean, Russell Wilson, if it wasn't for his amazing escapability and speed, he would be getting a ton of more sacks taken, a lot more beans, which is huge that he's able to be as mobile as he is because he's starting to get a little older. And, just, and obviously, with him being a smaller quarterback, health is very important because, I mean, it makes you more prone to being, uh, you know, being less durable. Um but yeah, so I think the O-line's issue, I mean, and the defense, I mean, even though the defense started to show up, it's still, for a big part of the season, wasn't good. I think their defensive coordinator should go, again, that's just my opinion. And I'm not a huge Seahawks fan or anything, I'm not a Seahawks fan at all, so obviously people who are more fans of might know better than me and think that he should stay, but personally, I think their defensive coordinator should be let go. And I also think Jamal Adams was very underwhelming. He's kind of just become like blitz boy, like the memes and all that stuff. But it's true. I mean, he doesn't get interceptions. He can't catch a ball for his life. He's just a guy who likes to lay big hits, get fired up and brag about how good he thinks he is, and then doesn't end up showing it. So I think that's a big concern. Uh, so the next team I'm going to talk about is the Colts. The Colts, I'm just going to keep very brief. I think they have to make a quick decision about what they want to do at quarterback, maybe based off free agency or the draft, and deciding essentially, do you want to keep Phillip Rivers for one more year and maybe then try to draft a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask and have them sit behind him for a year, let him be the guy who shows the offense and they can learn from for a year, and then he retires and then move on? That's what I think they should do. We'll see. Do they just let him go and straight up try to draft someone in the draft and let them start right away? Do they just sign someone else in free agency? Do they let him walk and hope to get someone or, or because he retires and then they don't and then they have to be uh, forced to let Jacoby Brissett take a chance. I don't know, but that's what they got to worry about, number one. I think the defense is solid. It made a big step up from what I had expected in, uh, for this year. So I think defense, they're okay. Run game is obviously incredible. Jonathan Taylor was a great pick. Early on, there were obviously concerns because when Marlon Mack was there and you know sharing carries with him and Jonathan Taylor didn't look too amazing, but then he's really broke out later on in the year and looks like a great pick. The O-line is fine. I mean, they are going to have to re-sign some guys. I think that's where maybe they should target in the draft as well to help uh, restock the O-line for the future. But that's all I really have to say about the Colts. I think they'll be okay. 
Uh, the next team is the Washington football team. I just see it as they should be happy that they even got there. I think they deserved it out of all NFC East teams, but none of the NFC East teams were serious contenders. I think Taylor Heineke could be the answer. I don't think he 100% is, though, so I would definitely consider maybe trying to get a guy like Trey Lance in the draft and go for him rather than just try to believe in Taylor Heineke. But I still think he could be a solid option. As good of a feel-good story as Alex Smith is, I think he'll win Comeback Player of the Year, and I think they should rename it the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year trophy. I don't think he's obviously going to be the answer long-term. I think he might be done in Washington. Haskins obviously is gone, and he was never the, uh, the answer. I mean, on the field, he wasn't performing off the field. He was making an example of himself in the worst way possible. So, I don't know, you got to figure out your, your quarterback. I think the defense is fine. I think their D-line, Chase Young was an amazing pick. I think that their defense will be fine. I think they should definitely target quarterbacks and some more playmakers in the draft so they can be a more explosive offense so the defense doesn't have to carry them to wins. And I think Washington, again, I think you should feel good right now. The Titans, it's, it's the opposite. I mean, I think Tannehill's good. Derrick Henry's good. The O-line's solid. They were missing Taylor Lewan. Their weapons at receiver, Corey Davis having a great year. That's going to be someone they have to decide about. And in A.J. Brown, they're set. I think the issue is the defense. The Titans were known for their defense being pretty solid, but they lost a lot of guys through trades and free agency because they didn't have the money. you got to start rebuilding your defense in the draft because it's a disaster. Their defense was terrible. It didn't look like it in the Ravens game because it was a more lower-scoring game for the most part, but their defense was a train wreck. That's what really hurt them all year. Statistically, in DVOA, it was one of the worst. That's what you got to fix. The Steelers... I mean, I think the Steelers are in a really terrible spot right now. I think the best-case scenario, to be honest, and I know Steelers fans wouldn't want to hear this, I think Big Ben should retire or be cut because the reality is he's not good anymore, if we're just being honest, and he's costing them a ton of money. And they've got young guys like Juju and Bud Dupree that they're going to want to bring back, and Mike Hilton, and if they want to do that, Big Ben can't really be there for that to work. So he would either have to sacrifice keeping Big Ben and losing a lot of young production and then wait for him to age out and still not contend, or basically accept to get rid of him and try to either draft a new... Sorry, guys, the recording got cut, as I was saying, or try to sign a new quarterback or draft one for the future, obviously, for the Steelers. The defense is good enough to contend, but again, they could be losing guys like Mike Hilton and Bud Dupree, so they need to keep, keep them. The offense is not ready to contend. The O-line is aging. The receiving core is good and young, but they're going to have to pay him. And Big Ben's just not good anymore, and he's getting old. So I think they got to try to get rid of Big Ben. That's their best move. Uh, moving on to the last team before I talk about a certain game in particular is the Bears. I think the Bears is pretty simple in my opinion. I think you got to honestly clear house. I think I think Nagy's got to go for sure. I think Mitch seems like a nice guy, but he's got to go for being honest. Uh, the offensive coordinator's got to go. I you could argue Chuck Pagano's got to. I don't think he necessarily has to, but I can see why you would argue it. I wouldn't be against him going either. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, that's a lot of the coaching staff. Obviously, I don't think Pace should be there anymore either, if I'm being honest at GM. But if you think that's too much change, I get it. But they got. it would be great if they could trade up and get a quarterback. I would have loved to see him get Justin Fields, but obviously I don't think that's realistic anymore for him or Lawrence. Maybe you can trade up and try to get Zach Wilson, but I've been seeing him even go as high as four to the Falcons, so I don't know if that's a realistic possibility. Maybe you trade ahead of the, uh, the uh, football team and try to get Trey Lance, but I don't know if he's the uh, – I don't think he'd be a great fit for the Bears. I don't think they want another huge project guy, so maybe they're better off waiting to get a guy like Mac Jones or Kyle Trask. I know certain somebody would uh, be happy about Kyle Trask on the Bears. Um, but, yeah, I just – I think that they're going to – if they keep trying to stick with what they're doing, it's going to continue to just be the same old story where they beat the teams that are terrible so it makes them seem like they're better than they are. They end up finishing around 7-9, and 8-8, eight and 9-7. Eight, and seven. At best, to make the playoffs just to lose in the first round and keep doing that. that that's the ceiling for this team right now. So I think the change obviously has to be made. Uh, 
Really quickly, this wasn't supposed to be on today's episode, but I'm adding this last second because it happened today. Quick thoughts on Doug Peterson getting fired. Terrible move by the Eagles, in my opinion. I don't think Doug Peterson's anything amazing. I just don't think he was the problem or why. Or I, I mean, I get people are mad about throwing the game, but he wasn't the problem. He shouldn't have gone. Now, if they're desperate to keep Carson Wentz and believe in him and don't want to believe in Jalen Hurts, that's the only reason I could understand this because apparently the relationship is beyond repair between Wentz and Doug Peterson. But if it was strictly because of what's going on with the team and the culture and what needs to be done, I think the change that should have been made is the GM. Their GM has made a bunch of bad picks and trades and contracts. Uh, I mean, obviously, with Alshon, starting with Alshon Jeffrey, that was a disaster. Then, obviously, missing out on DK, but that's a little understandable. DK was kind of overhyped before the draft anyway. But the real issue was passing on Justin Jefferson over Jalen Rieger. Now, I still like and believe in Jalen Rieger, Jalen Rieger. I was actually super high on him. But the fact that they passed on Justin Jefferson that spot just makes no sense to me. So I just think with a bunch of questionable draft choices and uh, trades that he's made in contracts that are just way overpaid, I think the GM is the one who should have gone. Maybe he'll still end up going down the line, but... Unfortunately, it looks like for Eagles fans, he'll at least be there for the draft is my guess. Uh, so now that's it for uh, NFL teams who've been eliminated. Obviously, after next week, I'll talk about the teams who get eliminated from that. Uh, and also in my soonest upcoming episode, I will be talking about my predictions for the next round of the NFL playoffs. Um, but I want to talk quickly about the Bears-Saints game because obviously some people, even though they weren't happy because they're Bears fans, did end up congratulating me on the Saints winning. And everybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Saints fan, mainly because of Drew Brees. Um, but they uh, I, people I'm sure would be wondering what my thoughts are on the game because obviously with them winning, people would assume I'm probably super happy. It was a great performance, blah, blah, blah. If I'm being brutally honest, I, I was disgusted. It was an embarrassment. Now, yes, it's hard to please me as a fan, to be honest. I'm very serious about my teams, but it was honestly embarrassed. I, I, felt, I felt horrible being a Saints fan that day simply because it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. From the defense's perspective, I was thrilled. They did everything they were supposed to do. I know it's the Bears, so it's nothing to be proud of or brag about. But they did their job. Their job was to shut down that Bears team and give the offense every opportunity. Now, it's the offense that I'm disgusted with. I get that the Bears were missing guys in the secondary and linebacker and not, as, not D-line, so the D-line is still going to be great. But for how hyped up the Saints O-line is and how much they've invested with it with salary and uh, draft picks looking at you, mainly Andrews Pete, dude's terrible, awful contract, you got to play better than that. You can't be allowing that kind of pressure on Breeze and forcing him to have to constantly roll out and then throw it away. It, it was unacceptable that the game was that close. Now, the person I'm the most mad at, to be honest, is Sean Payton. I'm going to be honest with you, I thought Sean Payton had the Bears. I truly did. I think he just decided to throw his whole salary on the Bears, was planning on leaving for the Cowboys job, and was set to go, and was just going to change his name to something else and go off the map. It was a disaster. I don't understand his play calling from the start. So many questionable calls. On a fourth and two, when you have a kicker, when you have your full offense and you're capable of picking those yards up, you decide to let your kicker kick a 50-yarder when he was four of his last eight and three of the four that he had made were inside 40 yards, and you're going to have him kick a 50-yarder. You're not even going to try to draw the offense off sides. No, you're going to let our defense off sides. You're going to let your kicker kick a 50-yard field goal. I could not believe that. And then this guy has the audacity in the playoffs to try a trick play by putting Taysom Hill at quarterback, and then he ends up throwing a pick. Now, again, the defense bailed him out. But his play calling was unacceptable. That can't happen against the Bucs. Now, the good news is the Saints, when they play the Bucs, they love to turn up. They like being in that underdog mentality. They love getting after Tom Brady. I'm hoping they have Trey Hendrickson back. That dude is a stud. I think he's the most underrated defensive player in the league. I know it's biased, but that's just my opinion. So I think when he gets back, that'll be a big deal. And I think another thing that's crucial is Marshawn Lattimore, in my opinion, is the best cornerback in the league against the Buccaneers because when he plays Mike Evans, he takes it personally. He shuts the dude down. He makes him cry. He makes him want his penalties. And I'm very excited for that. I'm not going to get into predictions or anything yet. I will say is this. I'm a little scared that I'm playing Tom Brady in the playoffs. 
especially, I'm not going to use this as an excuse, but when you have the team that gets hated on by the refs more than any team in the playoffs in the Saints against the guy who gets more calls than anyone else ever, especially in the playoffs in Tom Brady, it's a little concerning, but again, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Now, the last thing I am going to talk about is my prediction for the uh, college football playoff. It's currently 6.50, so we're about 10 minutes away from the uh, championship game approximately. So my prediction is Alabama's going to win 42-35. A lot of people think Alabama will take this easy. I still think Ohio State could win it. My biased prediction, I would have had Ohio State, and it's not that I'm a fan of Ohio State. I'm a Northwestern fan, obviously. It's for a different reason, and that'll be explained later why I'm biased towards Ohio State. But yes, if I was biased, I would take Ohio State for what I'm going to explain later. But I'm going to take Alabama 42-35. Again, I don't think this game will be as easy for Alabama as people assume. I could be wrong about this. Who knows? Maybe in a few hours I'm going to make a joke out of myself. But I think Ohio State will make this game. I think it's going to be very high scoring. I don't think as good as Patrick Sertain is and Dylan Moses, I don't think that Alabama defense is that good. Florida had no trouble putting up points on them. And I think LSU is better than Florida. So I think they can as well. It's really going to come down, in my opinion, to can OSU take advantage with their run game to maybe chew some clock out and make Alabama sit on the field? And can their defense step up once again and prove that they can play the best under the bright lights when they've been called under question this year? So that's what it's going to come down to. Now, the reason why I, was bi- I want to be biased towards Ohio State is because I am a huge Justin Fields fan. I think he's the best quarterback in the country. I think he's the best quarterback in the upcoming draft. I get why a team would take Trevor Lawrence because he's the safest pick. And I would take him with the first pick, too, if I'm being brutally honest. If it was Madden, yeah, I'd take Fields because it doesn't actually matter. But if I'm taking it where it's real life and I can get fired and I have a real salary, I would still take Trevor Lawrence. But I believe in Fields. I think Justin Fields would be better than Trevor Lawrence. You can quote me on it. You can call me on it. I don't care. You can hit me up about it. You can rip me apart in the comments. I don't care. I believe that Trevor Lawrence is not as good as Justin Fields. I think he proved it. I know it was one game, but I think he proved it in that game. I think that game against Clemson was personal to him because, I mean, there were even reports saying that Zach Wilson should go over him. So I think that was a statement game. Even when he was hurt, he was still dropping dimes on his deep balls. He was showing why, once again, I think he's the best quarterback in the country and better than Trevor Lawrence. But so that's why I have some bias to uh, Ohio State. I just want to get this quick little rant out because I've had some arguments about it in the past that I love Justin Fields and I think he's better than Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. I believe this is a really long one. I think this one might be 28 minutes. 20, I mean, this is approaching 30 minutes. I'm sorry. I really wanted to try to keep this one in no more than like 19 to 20 minutes. That was the goal. But there was just so much I wanted to talk about. And I guess, I don't know, I think I went a little too much on the rambling, but it's my first time back in, like I said, almost a year. Please uh, give me your thoughts in the comments. On uh, You can Snapchat me, text me. You can hit me up on Instagram. I don't care where you can comment on this. Just give me your thoughts. Leave a like if you enjoy it or some sort of review if you watch it on something where you can review it or give it a rating. Really appreciate it if you could spread the word about the podcast out to more people so it could get out there. Uh, thank you for that. If you listen to this, I really appreciate it. And like I said, I want to make more episodes in the future and bring the podcast back. So if you have suggestions for future episodes, let me know. I can obviously take criticism. I know I'm not the master at this by any means necessary. So if you have any thoughts, please let me know. And uh, yes, this has been Freeman Sports Pod, episode eight. And episode nine, when it will come out, is to be determined. Peace.